When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're here today to take another step on the leadership journey, and joining me is my co-host, Brian Kite. Brian, it's exciting to be moving through the season as fast as we are. I can't believe we're, for us, we're in, in week seven of our podcast. It's moving along. Just landed from a flight back from L.A. I'm in my hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina. It seems like every time we talk, I'm somewhere on the road transporting between two different locations, and today's nothing different, just different places. <laughs> well, this past weekend... The big game really was Ohio State and Penn State, and it was just a tremendous game. But I was really impacted by the message that James Franklin had in his post-game conference, and he talked about their program, and he said, we're a great program, but we're not elite. And he talked about getting to that level of elite and basically making that promise that we will get there, we will do the work we need to, we will get things to where they need to to be elite, but we are not there yet. And I think that affects a lot of coaches right now at this time of the year. So you may have all those goals in front of you may have disappeared. The, the conference championship, playoff hopes, etc. that might be gone. Or maybe you are a team who's doing really well and you're heading into maybe playing for that conference championship or into the playoffs soon. And you have to wait, find a way to maybe get some, over some of those humps that you haven't been able to to reach that level yet. And I think that separation between good and great and great and elite is, is pretty small, but it's still significant enough to, to notice the difference like Coach Franklin did. Start with the question, what separates elite coaches from average coaches? And I, I would encourage you to just ask that question to yourself and think about how you would answer that right now in this moment. What separates elite coaches from average coaches? How would you answer that question as a listener? Where does your mind go right away? And not, not what makes you just better at your job, not generically better, but, but asking the question, what separates elite from average? What separates a 500 coach from a coach who can consistently get up in that seven, eight wins a year range, which isn't elite, but it's not 500 because how you answer that question for yourself, it's going to shape the way you do your whole job. And for my observation, for our observation, what separates elite coaches from average coaches 
It's not technical skill. It's not football knowledge. And in, and in fact, a quick scan of the football universe, and I mean the football universe, it actually paints a pretty bleak picture of those guys, and I'll just limit it to guys right now, those guys who know the most about football compared to those who are actually the elite winningest coaches. Have you noticed, Keith, that all of the people touted as the most brilliant on-field tactical minds, it's not a huge percentage of those guys that are the winningest, most successful elite coaches in the game. Have you noticed that? No, it's true. Yeah. And so what is it that separates an elite coach from an average coach? It's behavior skills. And the reason for that isn't even remotely surprising. The, the reason it's behavior skills compared to football skills is that coaching is all about what can you get other human beings to do. Coaching isn't about how smart you are. It's not about how much you know. It's not about how many plays you've called. It's about what can you get another person to do. That's an emotional question. It's a personal question. I mean, some things separate the elite coaches from average coaches. Not years of experience. Not talent. Not resources. There are certain behavior skills that separate an elite coach from one who's just experienced in the sport. I, I think of it this way, Keith. I'm curious your thoughts. Job skills are for your effectiveness as a coach, but behavior skills are for your excellence. And that's that line of average versus elite. Yeah, I see the difference there for sure. And I, I think back to my early days as a coach, I, I wanted to be so good at those technical tactical skills, right? I wanted to be the guy who can make the right call or the right adjustment. But ultimately, this boils down to behaviors which directly affect performance. So while I might know this is the best thing to do in this situation, if, if my people aren't prepared to carry out the behaviors, the beliefs that get us to that point, that get us to that point of execution of that, I'm ultimately going to fail in, in, in my success as a coach. I'm, I'm not going to be that guy who is elite. I'm going to be stuck at a guy who really knows a lot about the game, but probably doesn't have that, that record that reflects how much he knows. It, it is a people business at heart, and those behaviors and being able to, like you said, get somebody to do something at a certain level, that's really what coaching is about. Tell me if you agree with this, an observation about coaching. An average coach can keep a job. An average, an average coach can have an entire career. I mean, let's just, let's just put this on the table with, with directness and with a lot of genuine care. You don't have to be that good to have an entire career in coaching and be fine and be okay. You just don't. You can be average and have a job for the rest of your working professional life, coaching. So, let's just embrace the reality that it's not that high of a bar to get and hold on to a coaching job. And of course things happen and there's random chance. And that's part of the reason that we teach E plus R equals O, but we're having a different conversation right now. We're having a conversation of elite and the pursuit of it, which doesn't happen quickly. So second thing, tell me if you agree with this. Great athletes are talented. Great players are disciplined. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. 
what's your job as a coach to create great athletes and to create great players? Well, it's it's too and, and it's, ideal, it's a little bit of both, both, but right. Yeah, I mean, you get you get to the both. yeah you get to a point in the year where you are trying to create the great player. That's really what we're talking about now in season. Certainly, there's things we can do to continue to improve athletic ability, but we're really focused on that great player right now. You got it. So, and what do we say, right? At, great athletes are what? They're talented. Great players are what? Disciplined. So if that is what a great player is, then what is your primary job as a coach? What's your primary, what's the primary differentiator to field however many players are on your team, but only 11 on a field at a particular time? What is your primary job and therefore what your skill is being measured against? It is the ability to create what? Discipline. Discipline. And that ain't football. That's not football. That's your skill at being able to create discipline. And in what kind of people? Oftentimes, teenagers. Keith, it is so much harder to get a value, a standard, a behavior off of a poster and onto a 15, 16, 17-year-old young man's heart than anything you do in the game of football. I saw a question the other day on Twitter, I think out in Wichita, Kansas. And he asked a question to coaches. He said, honestly, I don't know if you saw this question. He said, he said, honestly, can you be an elite coach? Can you be called an elite coach if you don't count the wins and loss columns? Do wins and losses have to be included in whether you're an elite coach or not? Did you see that question? I, I didn't see that one, no. It's an interesting question, though. Okay. I saw it. And I think in a single season, no, but on any kind of time scale, yes, it has to be included. Because in a single season, the, the factors that are under your control and not under your control, they're too numerous to put wins and losses into measurement of the elite in any single season. But over the course of, of time, uh, yes, wins and losses do count against whether or not you are elite. Because you can be amazing at building young men or in any coaching profession and young women. But ultimately, if you don't win or you don't win at enough level, you are not going to be in that position or you're going to be moved around too often and too frequently to be called elite. And you can be an elite person builder without being an elite team builder or coach. And so therefore, yes, you're an elite coach of behavior skills. You're just not elite at the actual sport is, is my perspective. And I don't claim that to be truth or objectively right for everyone I simply have my perspective on it. But as a coach, the, the things that make a, I mean, shoot, look, look at, look at who are the elite coaches in your mind right now? Here's an interesting, here's an interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who are the elite coaches in the NFL ranks right now? Who's elite? I mean, you're going to think of Belichick is elite. You're going yep. to think of, uh... God, his name escapes me right now. Uh, head coach of the the Packers, I believe, would be a guy you can Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, Mike Tomlin, I would say, has reached the the uh, level of elite. You know, you see that consistency from those guys from those teams year in and year out. You see Bill Belichick's a prime example. You see some people come and go, and, and the names change at times, and yet the. Per, performance level is still there and even the point where some guys who maybe didn't fit in at other places all of a sudden become superstars with the Patriots uh, struggling a little bit right now but yep. uh, it's still early 
Yeah, I, I was I was talking with a Pats fan yesterday. I think right now they're two and two, and he lives in Boston. I said uh, I said, what's the mood in Boston? What, what's the what's the attitude? And he goes, honestly, I'm the same as everybody else. Everybody else is the same as me. He said, "Wake me up when they're twelve and four and got a first round bye." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Fair enough." Right? Yeah. So you know, you look at that, and and what's the common component across those three, four guys that you named who are very different styles, different parts of the country, different talents on their teams? What what are the common components? One, they've done it for a while. Two, they've done it with varying levels of talent at any particular given moment. Three, they've done it under unpredictable crisis where the, the way they had to execute it showed up in a moment where it was very unpredictable. They also had very predictable changes that they navigated through and successfully did it. And what I would say is what doesn't make it elite is these, these quick fix things that you hear from people. Oh, they're more disciplined than somebody else. Oh, they're better at situational football because they, they teach context. You don't think the Browns work on context? You know, sometimes you see the product on the field and certain things happen a certain way. But I mean, maybe sometimes you might get surprised by what people do and don't do. But it's not like Nick Saban and Urban Meyer are, are uh, pay attention to details and other coaches. Uh, uh, James Franklin doesn't. I, I have no doubt that James Franklin pays attention to details. The question is, question is, who's actually more skilled at empathy? Who's more skilled at trust, demonstrating character that young people believe in? Who's more skilled at understanding a player's situation, validating their, their perspective without agreeing with all of their behavior, at moving a player from being resistant to being simply not resistant, which is not, by the way, active, and then moving them to interested, and then moving them into active, and then moving them into committed? Who's better at doing that? And then who can do it faster? And those are all behavior skills. I get concerned, Keith, and I think this is a great time if you're listening to this in season to be thinking about this. I get concerned that coaches get in the midst of season and they, and frankly, even in the off season, but in the midst of season, especially is they get all locked up on the football side of this and their self-awareness and their observation and their practice and their patience of behavior skills either shrinks to some minimal amount or it goes away completely. And this is a great time to observe it, especially those of you who are in rough seasons or those of you who had some of your more major goals taken away because you didn't perform well enough to earn them this year. This is a great moment of reflection and awareness to zero in on those behavior skills in the midst of the moments when you're activating them. Like if right now, as a coach, if you are feeling in your chest, if you're feeling frustration, tension, anger, guilt, irritation, in any way, shape, or form going on with your program, if you're feeling some kind of anxiety, if you're feeling buildup, any emotion where you're feeling like, ooh, like making it a little bit hard for you to sleep at night, or, or there's that sensation you have when you're driving into work and it could be with your staff or with parents or a group of players or uncertainty about whether or not they're going to be ready to meet the challenge because you have to win the game this Friday for your dreams to still be alive, whatever those things are. If you're feeling that right now, pay attention to that and recognize you have got to be skilled at the behaviors that are creating that tension. You've got to be really good at that. 
Maybe you've got a coach on your staff who is simply not implementing the game plan the way that you want. And right now you are at a loss. In other words, you are out of skill with how to get that coach to do it the way that you want him to do it while also having a good attitude, not being super irritated and angry at you, not taking it out of the players and continuing to put a very high energy, positive, while also disciplined and focused culture in at the same time. And you're unsure how to do that. And so because you're unsure, you do any number of things, command and control, you ignore it, you ignore it until you can't anymore. You quietly and passively aggressively walk by his drills and correct him after he did it the wrong way. Does this make sense, Keith? Yeah, definitely. Right? So you see all of this. This is the time to pay attention to it. And what are those behavior skills? I mean, let, let's, let's kind of run down a, a list. Well, first, does that, do you see, how, you see how these behavior skills that underlie everything, do you see how they make all the difference as to how you're ultimately going to execute both later as well as right now, which is your prep? Yeah, this is um, so, uh, at the heart of it, Brian, that, that's coaching, right? I mean, we need to set aside the technical and tactical part of it and assume that we know what we need to do to get those things done. It's the other side of it where I think we fail, and, it, and it's a number of reasons. When we hit this time of the year, we might get those blinders on, or we need to probably put those blinders on towards some other things, towards those outside forces, to things maybe we don't totally have control over that we get focused on. I know a lot of coaches, they've, they've been on the hot seat, let's say, in their job. And it's crazy that we can talk about that at the high school level, but that's the reality that guys might be thinking about that. They might be hitting the panic button again, thinking, I think you mentioned it here, commanding and troll is the answer. And, and I see a lot of guys when things don't get right, they, they grasp onto that command and control and they think they have to control everybody in their program and they're harder on their coaches, they're harder on their players. And ultimately, that drives them away from what they really want. Why do they do that? Why, why, do, you, why, why do people do that? Not just coaches, but why do people do that, Keith? I think we lose our focus on what we really want and what it takes to get there. And... We get too worried about. Well, let, me, let me ask a slightly let me ask a slightly different question because I, I I think all of those are true and I want I want to want to stop before you go further. My question is, why are they doing it? Now, I wouldn't say so much. My my question is, what's the reason? What do coaches convince themselves that that's the best strategy to do? What? That make, does, it make, does the question make sense? Yeah. What do they think they're getting? What's the motivating force behind it? It's in pursuit of something. I guess that, that's the way to ask it. Yeah. I mean, that command I, and control, grabbing and controlling everything, it's in pursuit of something. What's it in pursuit of? Well, I, I mean, I, I don't think it gets them to where they want. So I don't know, you know how I would answer that it, yeah. in pursuit of. I mean, control, right? You think you can control the situation. There's so many things that are out of your control. You, I think the command and control is, is grasping really at, at straws thinking, I mean, maybe looking at things from desperation, maybe letting too much worry or anxiety creep into your life about things, things ultimately, whatever's going to happen, whatever's going to be the result of this can't necessarily drive what you're doing that you have to get back to focusing on what are the behaviors we need right now, rather than trying to force all that. I mean, I, I've, I honestly, I, I've probably done it looking back at my career early on 
I've done those things where I thought, okay, things aren't going the way we want. We really need to get a tighter grasp of things. We're going to force discipline. And Mm -hmm. it just doesn't work. There you go. You just, you just said it. That's, you just said the first thing to understand about human behavior for everybody is that nobody does something and says to themselves, I'm going to do something that takes away all the things I want. Nobody does that. So when somebody is doing something in their mind, they believe that what they're doing is bringing them closer to something desirable. Mm -hmm. So when somebody goes to command and control, when somebody goes to that, like that urgent grab a hold of, they, they don't, they don't think to themselves, Oh, I'm going to go to command and control. So everybody hates me and nobody does what I want. That doesn't go into somebody's mind. They go to command and control because they think it's going to give them what they want. My question is, what do they want? And what you just said, what they want is they're trying to make something happen and they're trying to make it happen when, not later. They're trying to make it happen now. And the strategy they use for that is control and force and pressure. And what I want to make sure we understand here is that's rarely the right move. What you appropriately identified is control and force and pressure almost always slows things down and delays getting what you want. This is where behavior skill comes in. What makes things go faster is urgency with patience. Mm -hmm. Like we've talked about. It is empathy and understanding, not softness, understanding. Why are you struggling with this? Let me listen. Because this is, this is what happens. How often do coaches not listen for four weeks trying to force something that if they listened in one week, they would have understand enough about it to have chosen a better strategy and solved it in seven days. But instead, because they, quote, didn't have time to wait, they forced an issue, took control, and then it took an extra three, four weeks on top of it when they could have used empathy, listening, understanding, and patience in seven days and solved it in one week. How often has a quick answer in a relationship, non-football, where you impulsively didn't want to have a conversation, didn't want to listen, lacked patience, and you said or did something, and it caused so much damage that it took the next three, four, maybe couple months to recover from, all because you didn't have time to slow down in one conversation. This is the stuff that I'm talking about. And these things are all around us. These behavior skills, it helps to think of it this way as a coach. Underneath every tactical and strategic execution you want, there are behavior skills that need to be done at a certain level. Under every single one of them, under every tactical and strategic execution you want and you are asking for, there are behavior skills required from everybody involved. Are you paying attention to coaching and skilled enough at those behavior skills? It's going to have something to do with thinking, emotions, self-awareness, confidence, fear, understanding, speed of mental processing, learning, ego, confidence. I didn't say that one already. Courage. The, The list goes on. But simply, you could break it down into three categories if you wanted to organize and bucket them. And I find this to be helpful. And I'll share these three categories and maybe wrap up my thoughts here for the day. 
you can bucket behavior skills into three categories. And that is to know yourself, to control yourself, and to believe in yourself. It's self-control, or I should say it's, it's self-awareness first, it's self-control second, and it's self-confidence third. That's what it comes down to. Self-awareness, self-control, and self-confidence. Behavior skills are going to generally fit into those three buckets. And there are certain behavior skills that will fit in two or all three. Think about it. If you want, if you want a 16-year-old guard to get his pulling angles down, his splits correct, his, uh, his, his depth at the appropriate angle for the, the QB boot or waggle, going against guys that are bigger, taller, faster, stronger than him. I'm assuming you're running a wing T apparently in this scenario. <laughs> and uh, that, that kid has got to have self-awareness. He's got to have self-control. He's got to have self-confidence. He's got to know what he's capable of, what he's not. He's got to know his situation. He's got to know some of the surroundings and the context. He's got to know the down and distance. He's got to know what to do. Then he has to be able to do it. He has to be able to do it when his mom and dad are watching. He's got to do it when that girl is going to ask the prom tomorrow is watching. He's got to do it when the game is on the line and a mistake by him is going to be right for everybody to see because he's going to be only hitting the quarterback out in the, uh, on this particular waggle because it's going to be close to a naked. And then he's got to have the, the self-confidence that can, he can actually pull it off. And he's got to do it with full energy and risk failure. You think about it. Yeah, the technical steps have been repped a bunch in practice. But when it's Friday night, and it's 8.45 p.m., and it's the closing seconds of the third quarter, whether that kid does or doesn't execute, that's a lot more of a behavior skill than it is a technical skill. And that kid's behavior skill is going to be measured and determined by your behavior skill as a coach. That's right there. That right there is what separates the elite from the average. Let's look at Nick Saban right now, what he's doing at Alabama, and look at how he's managed these two quarterbacks. That's a behavior skill because he's got 40 other players in 12 other positions just like that one. And here he is. Took a starter who was, what, 23-2, and two, Jalen Hurts? Mm-hmm. Benched him at halftime, put in a backup, Tua, won the national championship, didn't do it the entire offseason, manages his culture, manages the relationships. Now he's got both of them playing in games, and Alabama is rolling. There's no playbook that you're writing on that. That's behavior skill. It's very tricky to watch Nick Saban and think he wins because of the technical. He wins because of the personal. Some really good points there, Brian. Appropriate for this time of the year. It's a chance for us as coaches right now to to focus on some of those things and make the most out of the time we have left, regardless of where you're at in terms of uh, the record and what you have ahead of you. It's, a, it's really a chance right now to um, work on some of those behavior skills so that you can get to that level of elite. I would argue, I would argue Keith, that if, if your record right now is not what you want it to be, especially if, again, some of those bigger things have already been taken off the board for you, focus even more on your behavior skills because you actually have some built-in patience in a live, real environment to practice them now. Don't wait till the off-season. Pay attention to it now. Be patient. I call that learn by doing. Don't, don't test yourself exclusively in an off season or in a practice in the spring test yourself when it counts learn something about yourself now your objective is how much better can i get in season not can we make the playoffs 
BK, thanks again for joining me this week, and uh, we'll take another step on the leadership journey next week.